Hey, this is Brian Golden, lead pastor of Centerpoint Church, and I just want to welcome you to our podcast. I also really want to thank you for taking the time to listen. And I want to let you know that now you can watch these messages as well, anytime and anywhere. And the easiest way to do that is on the Centerpoint Church app. In addition to that, the Centerpoint app is also the easiest way to stay connected with what's happening at Centerpoint. So go to your favorite app store, search Centerpoint Church Florida, and you'll find it right there. Most importantly, I really want to say if you're a longtime follower of Jesus, or maybe you're just investigating who Jesus is, I really hope this message encourages you to take your next step in your journey of faith or in your journey of investigating faith. Thanks again for listening. There's one thing that I hated growing up that I would get all the time from my parents when I'd ask a question. I would always get the maybe answer, like, yeah, maybe. Right, we'll think about that. Um, having no idea what that really meant um, at the time. And now I get it with my own kids. Like I get the maybe answer. Maybe um, means a couple different things. Maybe means I do not have the emotional capacity to listen to you right now um, and answer this question. I know you're only six, but you are conniving and scheming. And so my words will be held against me. And you can say amen to that point right there. Um, so that's the first thing. Or the maybe is... Uh, I know that the answer that I'm going to give you is not the answer that you like, and so uh, we're working on it, but we're not the greatest parents in the world, and you're going to throw a huge fit right now, um, and it's going to be bad. Like, the fit's going to create regret for you because I'm going to, like, I'm not, you're not going to go to the corner to think about it. Some other stuff is going to happen, and then I'm going to have regret because if you've ever gone off on your kids, it always creates regret. Like, I should be better than that, but I'm not. And so in that moment, like, I just give them a maybe, and I know what the answer is, but I just don't want to answer it right now because I don't want to deal with the ramifications. And, and really, at the end of the day, maybe just means there's no chance in heck that this is ever going to happen. It's just a delay tactic um, because I don't want to answer it right now. But here's the thing about your kids, and I remember growing up um, feeling like this, is that your kids always think maybe means you said yes. <laughs> and they'll try to hold that against you. They'll try to, like, just, again, manipulate any way that they can. And so we're at Disney recently, and so my, my daughter is, like, pointing to this hat that I said maybe she could have, which if I was in my right mind, I wouldn't even have said maybe because it's like... $940, and these people are extorting money from me already. It is such a ripoff. I'm like, no, I didn't. When I say maybe, you should just know, because you're six, you're at the age to understand. It just means no. It's never going to happen. That's what maybe means. I didn't promise you that. It's not going to happen. Um, just deal with it. So like, I get it now um, as a parent of a couple kids. So here, here's where I think that that's similar to Jesus, and, and I'm going to like dive straight in really quick. Somebody in the last service said I was going for the jugular. So I don't know if that's a really a compliment to me or if I accept that. But um, a lot of people have that idea and view of Jesus to where we feel like he's made some promises to us because of maybe a filtered version of Jesus that somebody else sold us. And, and we've walked away. Um, we've given up on faith. Um, we've let go, or maybe we haven't given up altogether, but we're just struggling through it because we feel like Jesus made a promise that Jesus um, hasn't fulfilled. And, and a lot of times the filtered version of Jesus um, creates a theology of, man, if you just believe it, you're going to receive it. 
And if you just name it, like you, you're, you, can, you can claim it. And, and the, the stipulation is you just need to have enough faith. You need to muster up enough faith. You need to, you need to willpower enough faith. You need to pray enough. You need to plead enough. And, and if you do and take a couple scriptures out of context, like then God's gonna do it. God, like God's desire for you is to be pain-free. God's desire for you is to prosper in all circumstances. God's desire for you is the financial thing to always get better. And so you just need to have enough faith. And a lot of us have walked away or become disillusioned with Jesus because we, we had as much faith as we could get. We, we mustered as much as possible. We prayed as much as possible. And, and you know, the, the breast cancer came back for our aunts. The diagnosis got worse. We, we prayed and we believed and we pleaded and, and he walked out and, and left you and, and two kids anyway. Or are we like, we, man, God, I believe you. God, I, I, like, I have enough faith and, and financially it didn't get better. You, you, lost, you lost the business. And, and all of a sudden that starts to create questions, right? Of like, well, what's wrong with my faith? And, and man, if, if I could have just done a better job, if I could have just gotten more faith, if I, man, if I just would have prayed more, or what, maybe, maybe something's broken with my faith or, or why do they have enough faith to change that circumstance and I don't have enough faith to change this circumstance and I've been so faithful and, and you just, you start to get disillusioned. I, I'll never forget a, a friend of mine, Matt, I got to know him about seven years ago and he was struggling through a thing with his daughter who I don't think was even a year old yet and she started to have all these seizures and they couldn't figure it out. And they got more and more desperate and they started to go to different places around the country and seek answers from doctors and nothing worked. And so we prayed for him and his daughter. We pleaded for them. We, we believed that, that God was gonna do something because we have every reason to believe that God can intervene and do something and God is able. And, and now like seven years later, just talking to him this morning, they're, they're still struggling. She's, she, she can't talk. She's immobile. She's... She's continuing to suffer from these seizures and they have absolutely no answers to any of the questions. And I'll never forget a conversation um, with Matt one time where just in the middle of it, he was really vulnerable and he's like, I, I just, I don't know what I, I did. I, I don't know what I've done to deserve this. And, and this feeling of, man, if, if things were better, if I was better, if I had more faith, it just, you know, things would have changed. And I just want to tell you, like, when I, I sat there and listened to Matt, I got physically angry. I think it's like what Jesus felt when he walked into the temple and there was the same kind of, like, religious thinking where if I, then God, like, they had made God into this massive cosmic vending machine. If you just push the right buttons, a little genie in the bottle, if you can, you know, if you can manufacture the right stuff, you can get the genie to come out. And it was a if, then, you know, if I, then God will, as if they could manipulate or control God. And Jesus comes into the temple and what does he do? He starts flipping over tables to go, I'm ending this thinking forever. There's people who are walking away from God, being disillusioned from God in a broken world over promises that he never made. And who do you think you are that you can manipulate, you can line your pockets, you can build your kingdom, you can fatten your portfolio because you're always making a lot of money off of this. If you just give and if you just have enough faith, God's gonna do it. And I just wanna tell you today, and this is kind of bold and I'm hitting right to the point, that filtered version of Jesus he doesn't exist. You don't find that filtered version of Jesus. And I just want to free some of you up. And here's the thing. There's no bow on the end of this message. Like, uh, like a lot of this series and this message in particular, like I, I feel 
what I'm about to talk about in a really deep way. But there's a ton of hope. And for some of you, this is not going to change your circumstances, but here's what you need to know, is that throughout the scripture, there is no correlation between the size of your faith and God's faithfulness. And there is no correlation between the size of your faith and God's love. And there is not a correlation between the size of your faith and God's activity and God's presence. And there is not a correlation between the size of your faith and maybe the pain that you are walking through right now. That Jesus does not exist. And so I just want to tell you, if you walked away, you maybe have walked away from promises and disillusionment with Jesus and Jesus never promised those things. So I just want to tell you, you don't have to walk away. You don't have to lose faith. You don't have to let go. In fact, here's what Jesus said. He was so upfront. I love that he's at least straight with us. He's like, listen, in this world, John writes it, you're, you're gonna have trouble. It's, it's not always gonna be up and to the right. It may, not, it may not get better. In fact, one other time Jesus said this, he's like, hey, I, blessed is the person who doesn't stumble on account of me. Meaning the way I operate in this sin, broken, sin-infested world that one day I'm going to handle and I'm going to make right, the way, I, the way I operate, sometimes it's easy to misunderstand me. And so some people are going to stumble because of me. And blessed is the person who doesn't walk away when things get difficult because, because this, this is the reality. And so I, I just want to, I want to invite some of you back today. But here's what I know, man. What Jesus introduces is kind of disruptive. Like, you ever want to edit parts of the scripture out? I know some of you don't want to be honest. You're never honest in church, so I'll just go first. Yes. There's parts of scripture. Like, I, I wish I could just skip over that. I wish I could cut that out. I wish I could not tell my friends that. It's not going to make Jesus more attractive. Jesus makes this disruptive um, scenario and, and, and creates this category for pain and suffering in God that's that's kind of uncomfortable, but then simultaneously, because of what some of you have been clinging to, it offers hope. Like maybe you've heard this story. Jesus gets a telegram from somebody one day and they run it to him and, and he reads it and Jesus is hanging out with his guys and the telegram just says, um, the one that you love, they're sick. Now, how many people are you that close to where that's like, that's their designation in your life? Like the one, we are so tight we are so close. We have hung out so much. This is so personal. I don't even need to give you his name. The one that you love, and, and Jesus, he'll, you'll know what I'm talking about. The one that you love, he's sick. And, and the guy's name is Lazarus. He's the younger brother of, of Mary and Martha. And they knew Jesus better than anybody. Like Mary and Martha had Jesus over to their home. Um, one of them was sitting Indian style in the living room doing nothing. The other sister got mad because she's in the kitchen doing all the work. But they helped fund Jesus' ministry um, they were close with Jesus. Lazarus was like his best friend. I mean, Jesus was God, but he was, he was in a body. Like he had friends. He, he hung out. He, you know, drunk good wine. I shattered some of your stereotypes, but he did, you know, around the table and, and he ate. And um, so he gets this message of like, the one that you love is, is sick. And apparently they had exhausted all of the means of healing and trying to make him better and nothing had worked. And so you do what, you know, anybody would do. Like, we're, we're going to go to Jesus, and Jesus is not, you know, um, the primary care physician. Jesus is, he, he can make all of this go away. And so in verse 4, it says, when Jesus heard this, and this is so uncomfortable, he says, this sickness is not going to end in death. And you're like, well, that's 
That's good news. All right. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified. Help me preach this, 1045. What's these two words? Glorified. All right, one more time. Glorified what? No. I don't like that. I don't want that. I'd like to edit that out. Because like, okay, Jesus, so what you're saying is you're going to, you're going to use sickness and you're going to use a diagnosis and you're going to use the fact that my kid walked away and you're going to use the mental illness and you're going to use the fact that my company has bottomed out and I've given every bit of blood, sweat, and tears to this. Like, you're going to use this to be glorified. Like, can you find another way, please? The God of all creation. Can you find another way, please? No, 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 no. Sometimes, and Jesus is setting up an uncomfortable category that we don't like to face. Sometimes I'm going to take you around. And sometimes I'm going to take you out of, and I'm going to flex my muscle, and everybody's going to know. And then sometimes, sometimes you're going to go right through. And so verse 5, I love this. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. You know why that's in there? You know why John's writing that? Because in a second, you're going to start to doubt whether Jesus loved Lazarus and Martha and her sister. So before you get to the doubt, because like, all right, if you're God, I'm not sure this is how you're going to operate with somebody that you love. I just want to make sure that we are clear. He does love them. It's not going to seem like it, but he does. And so when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he heard because they're telling him about it. When he heard because you're pleading and you're praying, he heard that, yeah, it's stage four. He heard that, yeah, we've been doing everything that we can. I don't know that he's going to come back home. It's going it's to wreck our family forever. Like when, when he heard that I, the fog of anxiety and depression hasn't lifted and it's about to destroy, destroy my relationship, when he, when he heard that, that it's not getting any better, when Jesus heard, he stayed where he was two more days. And I'm like, John, just edit that out, man. Don't put that in here. If you're trying to get a movement started and you want people to follow Jesus, this is not making Jesus more attractive. This is, hey, the movement, you should follow Jesus. It's gonna be great. You, Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus loves you. Jesus is, is with you. Then John, don't put this in here. Jesus heard from the guy that is closest to him that he loves in a deep way. They've hung out and he's like, Right, we're going to stay here. I mean, imagine all the disciples are getting up from the table like, oh man, this is Lazarus. Let's, we got to go. And she's like, no, sit back down. No, what? No, to just sit back down. We're going to spend a couple days here in Bethany that is a two-mile walk from Jerusalem. I, I know, but just stay here. See, that's like, that's not our filter, right? Can we just be honest? Can you be honest at the 1045? Like, if you love me and if you know me, no matter what your theology is, it's like, I don't think this is how it's gonna go down, that you are deliberately, I don't know like whether you caused this or whether you're allowing this, but you're deliberately gonna wait around two more days with that information in your pocket. And this is how we feel. Like, if I could just tap into that emotion, like how I feel about a circumstance right now is, is God, I am praying and I am pleading and I am asking and you know, and I'm not asking for something crazy. I'm just, I'm asking like, this is, 
would you do something here? Like, I know you know, but I just want to let you know that this is, you got to do something. And it feels like Jesus is waiting around for two days, not doing anything on my behalf. And so Jesus, after two days sitting there with his guys, is like, okay, now we're going to go to Judea. Let's go. And they're like, are you serious? We sat here for two days and now we're going to go. And you know that Lazarus is on the edge of death. And now we're going to go. Now, have you ever, you guys ever um, disguise your concern for you as concern for somebody else somewhere along the way? Um, my wife was sick back a little while ago and she got up in the middle of the night, it was like 3 a.m. And it's important that it was 3 a.m. You need to know that it was 3 a.m. Um, when I tell you the rest of the story, you need to come back to the fact that it was 3 a.m. And I wasn't, like, I wasn't all there and um, I was not thinking straight. I don't do well at 3 a.m. And so she is, is sick and she, we were in our townhouse at the time. So she goes out to the loft and she's, so I'm going out to help her. And really, like, if I were just to be honest, my sole concern was how do I, how do I handle this so I can get back in bed? So do you want a double dose of NyQuil? I think that's what would probably be recommended right now because I want you to get some sleep because it's not going to be good for you. And I, like, I, I care for you. And what are our kids going to do if you're not okay in the morning? So like, we need to, we need to give you some of that. And they, like, I'm, I'm throwing out all kinds of other ideas of like, I think maybe you need to sleep in another room or we need to like, it's like whatever I can do to, to get you to be okay and to go to sleep for the next little bit, just long enough so you can wake back up to take care of the kids. I, I wanna do that right now because I, I need to go to sleep. And then you ever have those moments because it's 3 a.m. And I just wanna tell you it is 3 a.m. in the morning where you're, you're talking to your wife and things slip out at 3 a.m. that would not slip out any other time. And so I'm, I'm talking to her and then about halfway through that conversation, because it's not going the way that I want at 3 a.m., which is really early in the morning. I'm like, how much of, how much of this is, is drama and how much of this are you really feeling right now? <clears throat> and I, out of the heart, the mouth speaks. Um, and I just like, and I'm not going to, and honestly, right there, I'm just going to cut the story off because there's some, like I can, get, I can be so real with you and then there's certain points where I can't let you into the depths of the golden household to let you know how the rest of that story um, ended. But that has been brought up in counseling, which I'm a fan of uh, multiple <laughs> times now. Um, but I, and by the way, this is just a, because my, my wife, after I told the story first service, like you, you've got to share this part. And so um, it, it ended up being an infection that could have been really bad. Um, and so there you go to make me look even worse. Um, <laughs> but my, my sole concern as often as the case was with me, like how do I get you better so I'm okay? And um, and so that's Jesus, guys. Like, they're getting up to go to Judea, and they're like, oh, Jesus, do you not remember what happened the last time we went down there that you almost got stoned to death? And we are really concerned for us. We are really concerned for you if we go back down to Judea that it is not going to go well, so we can't, we can't go back there. And Jesus is like, you just need to trust me. We're going to go back, and I know this is confusing, but we're just going to go. And so then Jesus drops this, well, hey, and listen, we got to go wake Lazarus up and his disciples, and I get it. They're always 
you know, a few, you know, few lengths behind. So like, oh, that's great. He's getting some Gatorade and some soup. Like he's going to be better. Wait, let him sleep. He's going to be fine. Well, let's wait a few more days. And then Jesus is like, okay, dummies, he's dead. And I'm going to go bring him back to life. And then John writes this, and this is, John, just, just stop. Don't just leave this out. Verse 15. And for your sake, I'm glad I wasn't there. This is Jesus talking. For your sake, I am glad. I bet Lazarus isn't glad. (laughs) Or Mary or Martha, everybody else who's hanging out there. I'm glad that I was not there so that it's not random. It's not arbitrary. There is a purpose. So I know it seems like it so that you may believe let, let us go to him. And again, I don't like this. Jesus, in my honest moments, like, I, 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 don't, I don't want this. So, so you, what you're saying is you'll stop at almost nothing in order to deepen, because you're all about relationship and presence, to deepen my relationship and deepen my trust in you, and, and in some cases to, to fulfill my destiny and my purpose, that, that you're going you're gonna to take it out of the darkest nights of the soul. I don't, I don't even know if I want that calling. Maybe, I don't know if I want that level of intimacy with you, if it's coming at that cost. And Jesus just says, you just need to know that, that like, there is, there is a, a purpose. See, that, that's one of our big like, object, objections, right, is like, me, like, I cannot believe in a God of, of, that allows meaningless pain and suffering. And can I just tell you this, just for you to think about it, if you're one of the many skeptics who listen and lean in, I love that you do. Like, like the, if, if I can't find a point for all suffering in the world, then there must not be a point. That is a lot of blind faith in your cognitive reasoning ability, right? I like you, and I, maybe this isn't you, but you sitting on the couch, Cheeto pounding, I don't know, 2.2 GPA. Like if I can't find a reason in the universe that there is not a reason. When here's the reality, I just want you to think about it. There are some incidents in my life, in your life, and this is irregardless of your faith, like believe in Jesus, not believe in Jesus. There are circumstances in your life where you can look back at already and go, I would have never chosen that. I would not walk through that again. But, but somebody, I don't know if I believe in a God, I'm better off because of it. I thought the rejection in that relationship was gonna kill me. And instead, somehow confidence and peace and sustainability Sustainability came out of that. And maybe for some of us as Jesus followers to realize I don't need the relationship to be okay and I never would have ended it. But now on the other side of it, I never would give up what I learned through it. That there's some pain that we never would have chosen. And now we look back and that pain was preparation for something so much better that we never could have seen. We never could have understood that the financial collapse wrecked us, ripped our heart out. And yet it was some kind of catalyst for a new opportunity that without that, we never would have experienced. Sometimes the rejection is redirection. Sometimes the pain is a catalyst for a different kind of purpose. You never would have Seen. And so all that, all that to say is this, is that if, a, if, if an infinite God can see 
and work purpose out of some things that you can see in your own life? Is it possible that that infinite God of creation could work purpose and meaning out of all suffering and all pain until he chooses to end it and come back on a horse with a sword with fire in his mouth to handle evil and justice and make every wrong right, which he has promised to do and set up a new home that mirrors the Garden of Eden that we have been created for because he didn't create this mess. He didn't break it. Sin broke it, but he came to put it back together. And so he says, in the meantime, I will work purpose. I will work meaning out of this. You can trust me, even though it is difficult. And one day it's all going to change. It's all going to be better. It's why I came. And so you read the narrative, like, so they get up to go and there's always this one guy in the group. So Thomas is like, all right, Let's go die with them. <laughs> like it's literally in there. Let's go die with them. And they, they head out and Lazarus has been dead for four days. And they take the two mile journey. I mean, I know they're wearing sandals, but come on, two miles. You can do it. From Bethany to Jerusalem. And Mary and Martha are there and, and you know, everybody, you know what they do. People are coming over, bringing casseroles and you coming into the home and comforting and there's a meal train and, and you know, friends, friends are showing up to encourage how they do. And, and just imagine, if you thought about it, just imagine Mary and Martha. I mean, they have hung out with Jesus so much. They, like they've told stories and joked and, and laughed and funded his ministry and been with them to all these places. I mean, they are so, everybody knows they're tight, man. Lazarus, I mean, Jesus and Lazarus, they, they, they've been together all the time. Like they, they're, they're close. Uh, imagine as all these people are coming into their home and, and they keep going, hey, aren't you guys, like, you know Jesus, right? You guys hang out with Jesus. You guys ever, like, we, we heard stories about Jesus. Like, he, he starts to, like, point to nature and nature just starts doing what he says. Like, we, we've seen that, like, happen. D don't you know Jesus? Where's Jesus? Where's, where's that guy Jesus? Y your brother is dead, hey, and, and you know, where is Jesus? And I gotta imagine Mary and Martha are just like, we don't know where Jesus is. Yeah, we, we don't know. We, we don't know. And so verse 21, and I get her emotion. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if, if you had been here, if you would have shown up, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. So why is my brother dead? And why are you just not getting here? And I love this, verse 22, but, but I, I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. And by the way, that's not a promise to you, okay? That's Martha saying about Jesus that you're connected to God the Father. You guys are one and that it, if, you, if you want it, it's gonna happen. He's gonna give you whatever you ask, and Martha in this moment is just like, I, I, why, why were you not here? If you had been here, things would be different. Things would change. I don't know if my brother would be dead, but I know. But you could have changed this. You could have made this circumstance different. You could have rearranged this. I, there's nothing, I've watched you. I've heard the stories. There's nothing that could keep you from getting here on time. I don't understand why you didn't get here on time. I know, I, I know 
that God will give you whatever you ask? Like, I struggle with this because I, like, I just look at my own kids and like, there's nothing that I would stop short of for my kids to like, make things okay. Like a couple years ago, I got a, a phone call um, and, and speaking of drama, I'll just unpack this for a second just to even the tables and um, set the score straight with my wife, um, who I love very much. And um, this is the pathway to a biblical marriage that's going to last. Um, I, got, I get a call out of nowhere, and um, it's from a cashier or, or somebody at, at Publix, which is awesome. I love Publix, but she's like a teenage girl. She's never been in this situation before. And I just get a, hey, um, your, your daughter like fell uh, hit her head. It, it's really bad. You need to get here right now. And okay, where are you at? She tells me the store. And I'm like, okay, what? Just give me a little more. Like, what? What do you? T- it's really bad. You need to get here right now. I'm like, what? And and for that moment, number one, I almost let, left my kid because I was in a, a, a frantic, and there was another kid at the house. But I got that taken care of. And um, and then I I. I got there and literally because I didn't have any information and I've gotten a similar phone call before about my brother years before that and it, it didn't end well. And the wording was very similar. And so like there was an instant there where I was like, is, is, my, is my little girl okay? Is she gonna be all right? And so I was, I was kind of a mess and I, I drove in and immediately I drove into the um, parking lot, there were multiple fire trucks out front and there was multiple EMTs and there was like a police, police escort. And I'm freaking out thinking this is not good. You don't send all of this stuff. I mean, I, I feel like they were taping stuff off. I don't know if that was true, but there was a lot of people and I'm walking in and there's EMTs everywhere. And I'm like, oh God, what is what is happening? What is going on? And then um, speaking of drama, that is the most activity that you will ever find for a girl that ended up with six stitches later on that secured every fire truck in Brandon, create a massive scene. I'm pretty sure Medivac was coming in, but like she had worked those people into a frenzy to where they were panicking and just calling everybody in the city of Hillsborough County to show up at Publix. And to be fair, they didn't know initially because there was blood everywhere. But like I was, I was freaking out. And then initially when we didn't know what was going to happen, they were talking about they were going to maybe have to take her in an ambulance to this one hospital. And I was like, you're not going to take her to that hospital. Well, your insurance probably not going to cover it. I don't care. Take her to another hospital further away. I don't want to go to that hospital. It's not going to happen. I will pay the bill. I will figure it out. But right in that moment, you will do anything and everything to take care of your girl. I'll pay the money. I'll find it. We'll sell some stuff. Like we'll do whatever we have to do for my little girl to be okay. And like, I read this and I'm like, Jesus, I wouldn't even do my own kid like this. Like I get the call. I'm gone. I'm going to do whatever it takes. And you got to imagine Martha is there grappling with that. And she's like, Jesus, that one time that girl touched the hem of your robe and she had this disease and the disease just went away and she was just some random lady in the crowd and there was that one time you did that disgusting thing where you started spitting on people's faces and putting mud together on some dude's eyes and you wonder is it worth it in that moment should I just go blind or should I allow you to do this and um and Jesus does it and this random guy that's like on the steps of the temple and you 
You give him sight. You're out in the middle of a boat and you're just telling waves, stop it, storms, and it's just, it obeys you. I've watched you do it. And now me, my sister, my little brother, we're not random people in a crowd. Why are you two days late? And so Jesus said to her, and Jesus is the only one I got to go a little quicker here, but he's the only one who could get away with this. Your brother will rise again. Like if you're Jesus, you can say that. If you're anybody else showing up at the home going, hey, you just need to have faith. And one day Jesus is going to wipe away every tear. It's going to be a shut up. I want to punch you right now. Right? <laughs> hey, church, we, we just need to learn how to enter into people's pain and let them feel that pain and let them struggle and let them grapple and not try to fix it and not try to always give them a Bible verse, but just to be with them to weep with them and to mourn with them. Like if somebody's going through a difficult time, I'll just tell you from experience, they don't want you showing up with answers because your answers seem really, really lame. They want you to show up and just be present. But Jesus, he can do this. Your, your brother's gonna rise again in verse 24. Martha answered, I know he's gonna rise again in the resurrection of the last day. Theological answer. Like I, I know but I don't feel any of that. But I'm choosing to believe it. Because you didn't come. And you didn't show up. But I know he's going to rise again. And then verse 25, Jesus says this. Jesus said to her, I am. I am. You remember Moses, is, he's about to go out in the Old Testament and, and God has called him to take the Israelites out of Egypt and he's got, got a stuttering problem. He can barely talk. He feels very inadequate. He's gonna go before Pharaoh. It may end his life. I mean, it's, he's terrified. He's going, okay, Jesus, if, you, if you're calling me into this, if this is what you want me to do, if, if you want me to walk through this and to deliver these people, you have got to give me something. You have got to give me some kind of assurance. I need something from you. And, and God of the universe, Jesus in Incarnate says to Moses, Moses, I am. I am. See, the promise is not that it's going to be pain free. The promise from Jesus is, I will be. But you'll be what? I'll be whatever you need, whenever you need it. I am. I am your will to live in a circumstance where you don't know if you can hold on and have the will to live. I'm just telling you, if you would not walk away, if you would cry out to me, I am. I am your endurance in the midst of that really dark time that you don't know if you're ever gonna make it. I am the endurance that you need. If you're on the other side of this thing that's ripped your heart out, I, I don't know if I'm ever gonna experience peace. I don't know if I'm ever gonna be whole again. Jesus says, I am, I am your peace. I am your life. I am your sustainability. I am what you need for the future. I know you don't see any way that you could ever feel healthy and whole or laugh again. I just want you to know I am your 
your joy. I am your happiness. I am your peace for the future. I am your purpose. I am everything that you need. And wherever you are in the midst of the going through, because I didn't take you around and I didn't take you out of, if you would cry out to me, I get it. I get the pain. I get the wrestling. I get the hurt. But whatever you need to go through it, you just need to know I am. I am. And so he sums it up this way because this is what they need in the moment. I am. I am the resurrection. And I am the life. And the one who believes in me will live even though they die. And he's not just talking about eternities. There's an implication of life right now. And so Jesus asks Martha, and you can read it for yourself. Martha, do you believe me? Can you maintain faith in me in the middle of the story? Can you not walk away? Can you handle if you get a no? And Martha's like, I'm wrestling. I'm wrestling with the fact that you could have been here and you didn't come. And I'm wrestling with the fact that you could have done something and you've chosen not to do it. And I'm wrestling with the fact that you're a few feet away from me and you see my pain. And you've decided not to take it away. I'm wrestling. But I believe. I, I'm not done wrestling. But I choose to believe. Can I just tell this to some of you that, that, that this may be the moment that, that frees you up is that nowhere in scripture other than verses that are taken out of context and butchered does the scripture talk about the size of your faith being the thing that moves God's attention. It is not the amount of faith that matters. It is the object of your faith that matters. And you're either gonna have faith in your fear you're gonna have faith in you and your ability to figure it out, or you're gonna have faith in Jesus who says to you, I understand the grappling and the wrestling and the hurt and the anger, but I just want you to know with your weak and feeble faith in the midst of, I don't know why you waited two days and I don't know why you're not here, but I believe that it's the object of your faith in me. And if you will not walk away from me, I am, I am. And so Martha goes back to the house and tells Mary everything that's going on. And, and Mary runs to Jesus in verse 32. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you, same emotion, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And there's this powerful interchange where Jesus sees all of them weeping. And this is unlike any other religion. This is why Jesus is different. Jesus enters into their pain and he is in the middle of the story and he knows it's the middle of the story, but it says he just, he just weeps with them because God weeps in the middle of a broken world that was broken by sin and can only be put back together by him. And that day is coming. But in the meantime, he says, I've experienced it. I've walked through it. In this case, I'm going to walk through it. I, I know. And so I'm just entering your pain to go. I'm not callous to this. I am not insensitive to this. I'm going to weep with you. 
over the brokenness. And so people around were like, man, see how, see how much Jesus cares? See how much Jesus is entering into their pain? And then I love this because for some of you, this is you and there is a place for your doubt. Verse 37, but some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? That's great that he's crying and that he's entered into their pain. But he's the one person who could have done something about their pain. And he's chosen not to. And so Jesus eventually, and this is the end of this story where he goes to the tomb. He says, get, get the stone out of the way. And in the KJV, I love this King James Version. It, it literally says that Lazarus has been in there four days and he stinketh. And Jesus just starts to pray, and you can read it for yourself. But he's like, I don't really need to do this right now, Father, but I'm going to do it for the sake of everybody else so they know that you and I are connected. And, and what I do is on behalf of you, and we're together, and what I'm about to do, it's, it's, you know, it's revealing God the Father, God the Son, and the Spirit. And so, amen. And then he says to Lazarus, come out. Come out. And the dead man, verse 44, came out, and I just need to preach this for just a second, and then we're going to wind it down, and his hands and his feet were wrapped with strips of linen, and a cloth was around his face, and Jesus said to them, this is really important, and some of you need this, take off the grave clothes and let him go. God will bring you through. And it may not be in the way that you want God to bring you through. We all want, I want God to bring me out and God to bring me around, but God will bring you through. But I just wanna say this, and this is not for everybody, but this is for some in here and some who are watching and listening, is that the reality is God has already brought you through. God has already given you, in some cases, the power over that habit and over that addiction when you place your faith and trust in him. And this is not for all of us. We need to wrestle. In some cases, there's never gonna be healing. We may never get to the other side. But for some of you, he's already set the spirit of God inside of you. He is Yeshua, the warrior king. He has come to overcome sin and overcome those habits. And he has given you the power to walk out and be alive. Some of you are still gathered around shame and guilt and hiding in a dark cave. And he says, I've already brought you back to life spiritually. You're my son. You're my daughter. You're loved by me. I'm pleased with you. I know it feels like this narcissistic desire where you have to punish punish yourself, but I already punished sin on the cross. You need to go free from that shame and from that guilt. You need to walk out of the thing that you thought you couldn't be free of. You need to begin to live in a place where you're enjoying me and you're enjoying life. And I just want you to know if you would look up and you would see that I have made you alive in Christ through your faith and your trust, it's maybe that I have already brought you through, but you need to take off the grave clothes. I will bring you back to life. I'll do what you couldn't do but you need to go take a step and get into counseling. You need to get therapy. You need to open up about the secret. You need to move to try to get the healing so you can be whole. And I will do my thing, but I'm gonna leave some of the responsibility to you. So for some of you, you are alive. You are free. He has already done his work in you and you need to take off the grave clothes and live and experience what he has already given you. And so as we close, you got three options. I've got three options. We can abandon faith or you can continue to walk away or you can minimize your pain, which really is just pain that still has control over you. 
Or you can choose if this is where you're at right now, or or maybe this is where you're going to be. That I'm going to wrestle through it. And I just want to say this again, church. We have got to give people permission to do this. We've got to allow people to grieve and to cry and to wrestle with God and to hurt and to be angry and to have questions and to have doubt. And Jesus can handle every single one of those things. One of his highest priorities is just relationship built on honesty. So let's be that kind of church. And know that it is not the size of your faith. It's the object of your faith. Jesus, I believe, is the only one that's going to be able to see us through. About four years ago, my 65-year-old mom was diagnosed with Alzheimer's. And I'm really close to my mom, like uncomfortably close, like probably it's a little bit, I should have figured that out. And like, really, I'm a, I was a mama's boy, I am. And um, just watching that thing progress. And, and, and every once in a while, like, God will give you promises in Scripture, and you got to be careful with this because, it, like, it's written to a certain context in time. But I've seen God give so many promises in the Scripture that he's fulfilled in my life, and I always hold them loosely. But I remember reading early on in that journey from King Hezekiah that, that he was struggling with this illness, and he, he cried out that, that God would see his tears and, and hear his prayers, and God did, and he, he granted 15 years to King Hezekiah's life. And, and I just felt like that God maybe was, was promising that um, she was going to be able to see um, my kids grow up and, and really be able to know them. And, and those, those honest moments, can I just say this as a pastor, where you, you do, you have these things like rise up, like, man, she's been so faithful. She's been so faithful. She has loved Jesus so well. If I was really honest, there's other moments where I'm like, and I feel like I have too. So what, what are you doing? And sometimes if I can just be honest, like I have really honest prayers and, and a little level of like, I know all the theological answers, but sometimes I just need to feel what I feel. I don't understand this, and I feel like I've been faithful, and I get all the theological answers, and I'll, I'll come up on the other side of this fog, but I just need to let you know what I feel in this moment. And sometimes I'm just in a place like Martha where like, I, don't, I think my faith is running on about 20%. But Jesus, I, I believe. I believe you. I don't know what you're doing. I don't know why you would allow this. There are moments where I'm really ticked off but I believe. And so I just want to, as we close, I want to invite some of you back who have walked away because of a filtered version of Jesus that in some cases, I'm not going to color everybody with this lens, but because somebody was lining their pocket or building their kingdom, decided to sell you a version of Jesus that just says, if you believe, you receive, and if you just have enough, it's going to happen for you. And you've walked away disillusioned that something is wrong with your faith. And I just want to tell you that Jesus doesn't exist. He's not in the scriptures. And you can come back, and you don't need to come back with perfect faith. You can come back struggling and wrestling and doubting and grappling, and he will see you through. And it's not the amount of your faith. It is the object of your faith. Jesus, I just need you. And Jesus says, I am. I am.
The end of it goes like this last verse in this, therefore many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did put their faith in him. Just don't walk away before the therefore because there is a therefore. And you would never choose it. I don't like some of the stuff that I'm walking through and I'll continue to plead that God takes it away. I don't want it. But I'm not gonna bail because I've seen too much and I know my only way through is through Jesus and so don't leave before the therefore. And you wouldn't choose the divorce and you wouldn't choose the mental illness and you wouldn't choose the fractured relationship and you wouldn't choose the diagnosis but I'm telling you, Jesus has promised there is a, a therefore. My, my wife was talking with a girl last week and my wife has battled mental illness in a way that like we, we've had some really dark times and he has healed a lot of that, but he hasn't healed it fully. And, and she was talking with another girl that um, is in her early 20s now and, and just told the story about eight years of her parents standing outside of her room just to fight for her life. And, and the girl began to to roll up her sleeves and just share the physical scars of what she's walked through and tell the story about how Jesus has delivered and what Jesus has done. And my wife began to share the, the emotional scars that she carries. And in that moment, it was like a reminder for me that, that even in those scars, sometimes the scars that you carry that you wouldn't have chosen are a reminder of who carried you. And that there's a level of intimacy and sometimes confidence and, and there's sometimes doubts that rise in the dark nights of the soul that you would never discover otherwise. And where you see people with rock solid faith and, and people who are just trusting Jesus, it is not because things have gone well. I will guarantee you this, that confidence and that faith and that freedom from doubt and, and that ability to go, Jesus, I don't understand, but I'm gonna follow you. That was developed in the fire of the darkest moments of their life where all they had to cling to was Jesus and Jesus revealed and showed off to them in that moment, I am, I am whatever you need right now in this moment and I will see you through. And so for some of you, I wanna invite you back and for others of you, I just wanna encourage you, if you are walking through it, it does not take away the pain. It does not tie a bow on it. You may be at 15 and 20% faith right now and I'm telling you that is enough for Jesus to sustain you. Don't walk away and his promise is, is not that it's gonna be pain-free. The promise is, Jesus says, if you ask, and if I ask you to walk through it, I'm gonna be with you. And Jesus' promise is, is if I, I, I promise I'll use it, if I ask you to walk through it, just don't walk away. And so here's what I wanna encourage you to do as we close. Acknowledge what you're wrestling with right now. Acknowledge where you're wrestling. Acknowledge where you're angry. Acknowledge where you don't understand. Acknowledge where there's doubt and declare what you need from Jesus. For some of you need to know that Jesus is able. He is able to see you through. He is able to give you the peace that you lack. He is able to give you the endurance that you don't know that if it's in you or not, he is able. He rises up, raises up kingdoms, sets them down. He moves leaders into places, he moves them on out. He raises up nations, decides that he's done with them. He holds creation in his hands. He is able. And he says to you, I am able. For some of you, you need to hear, I, I am with you. 
that, that your faith and, and your, the size of your faith is not an indication of his faithfulness or his love or his activity. And he says to you, I am never gonna leave you. I'm never going to forsake you. And you may be in a place where, you, where Mary and Martha are right now and you're going, God, I don't understand. And you seem so silent. And Jesus says to you, it's not an indication of my love and my presence and my activity. And I am with you. And for others of you, you just need to know, I, I am good. I am good. I am good. I didn't come to planet earth to show off my power over the darkness of hell. I didn't come to raise the dead. I didn't come to set my name above every other name. I didn't come to set up the throne to be king of kings and Lord of lords and the lion of Judah in order to lead you to a place where you walk away, where you doubt, where you're demoralized by fear. I came to be with you and I came to see you through and I understand I've been there, I walked through it. You serve a suffering savior, but. I am good, I will be with you. And in fact, for some of you, you just need to hear this. I am the resurrection and the life. I can bring and resurrect purpose. I can resurrect hope even though your heart has been ripped out. I can resurrect a relationship. I can resurrect purpose. I can resurrect your destiny. I can see you through and you don't have to believe it 100% right now. You don't have to have perfect faith. You just need to look at Jesus. He will do the rest. I am able, I am the resurrection resurrection in the life. I am going to see you through. So right now, if you're at a place where you need to acknowledge some things where you're just struggling and wrestling, and I, right now, I'm standing up with you on this stage, Jesus, you know. I need to acknowledge where I'm wrestling, and I need to declare to Jesus, Jesus, this is what I need from you. If you're in that place, I want you to stand right now. I wanna pray for you. I want you to make the public declaration of Jesus, I need you, and I'm believing right now with imperfect faith that you are, you are what I need when I need it, walking through what I'm walking through. I'm gonna give you a minute. This is the church, this is not a country club. This is a hospital for the broken. So right now, if you're in that place, I want you to stand. I, I, Jesus, there's something I need you to be for me. There's something I need to believe. I wanna acknowledge where I'm wrestling. All right, Jesus, I thank you for who you are. I thank you for what you're doing in this place. And I just pray in the hearts and the minds of those people who are standing right now, those who are, they're in this place somewhere around the country listening and, and they just needed this right now in this moment. I just pray that you would, even now, even today, even in the coming days, you'd begin to give some kind of assurance, even though we don't see the end of the story, that you're gonna be enough that you are the great I am. And that sometimes you will take us out of, and I, I pray for some, we just would keep praying that. We want you to take us out of. We want you to take us around. But for others of us, it's becoming painfully clear that you're asking us to walk through. And so God, we will wrestle, but help us to wrestle and believe and trust that you going to be enough. And I just always wanna affirm this because this is the hope and the good news even as we leave today that one day the where are you God question is gonna be answered with a thunderous return of a God who's gonna come to handle injustice and evil and he will wipe away 
every tear. He will make every wrong right. He will set us back to a place where we experience home. We experience the Garden of Eden, universal flourishing, universal wholeness. Everything is going to be made right. And so come, Lord Jesus, we believe and we wait. And right now in this moment, we wrestle and we believe. And so meet us where we are in the name of the one who embodies life, and embodies all of the resurrection that we're ever gonna need, the name of Jesus. Amen. Would you stand up and put your hands together and celebrate who Jesus is in this moment? Hey, thanks again for listening. If you enjoyed this message, would you do us a favor and rate and review our podcast on your favorite podcast catcher? You can actually now listen to us on Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, SoundCloud, and Apple Podcasts. Basically, this just helps us get the message of Jesus out to more people. And the other thing I would say is we would love for you to join us at one of our gatherings. One of the things we work really hard at is to create a safe place for people to be able to ask questions, to be able to investigate and grow in their faith if they're longtime followers of Jesus. And one of the things that we say a lot is regardless of what background you're coming from, you can belong here before you believe. And so if you want more information about our church, our location, service times, just go to our website at centerpointfl.org.